This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. to the woo i wish i had a live studio audience okay let's talk about first what we're drinking i am actually drinking and i'm just opening it i found more of my favorite which is flat rock cider company's ice spice baby how big is your fridge i just don't want to talk about that right now and i like (laughs) judgment because i keep finding it at the back of Publix's coolers and it makes me very happy because it's a winter thing but it and you know it tastes like you know warm holidays in a can <laughs> so cr what are you drinking today i went back to my rum and dr pepper i haven't been allowed to have soda for a while so um, i got my big cup so. your big cup your rum and dr pepper cup i love it okay evan what are you drinking so i'm drinking this this cocktail that uh pairs with my book since it's all like campfire themed it's uh Vanilla vodka, uh, Irish cream, Bailey's Irish cream, Kahlua, and milk. And it's it's not bad. Normally, I would drink rum and Coke, but I figured I'd do some little bit more s'moresy, right? Yeah, I like the s'moresy. That sounds delicious. That's super that fun. My cider doesn't seem nearly as fancy as it did like three <laughs> seconds ago. Not nearly <laughs> as fancy. Oh, our, our um, sponsor today is Skunk Brother Spirits. DWA10 is the coupon code if you check them out. Okay. Evan, what do you write for those that may be not familiar with you? So I actually write uh, thriller suspense and, and a little bit of horror. Uh, I'm kind of moving more into the horror every time I write. So um, my my uh, my preferred genre now is is definitely horror, but mostly like psychological thriller, suspense, that kind of stuff. Very cool. And when did you first start writing? Oh man, so I mean, I've been writing ever since I was like a kid. I used to write dumb little short stories for my friends that were all terrible. Um, and then, you know, I continued writing in high school and I was just writing more short stories and more stuff. And, uh, but I, uh, in book format, I published my first book in 2015. So I've been doing that, um, since I've been publishing books since 2015, but, but otherwise pretty much forever. So. Very cool. What made you decide to publish? Uh, actually my, I had an English teacher in, um, in high school. She gave us an assignment to, uh, to write a fairy tale. And I, I raised my hand and I said, I, I don't want to write a fairy tale. Can I do something else? And she said, yeah, go for it. And I was like, okay. So I, I wrote this action story and I thought it was fun. I turned it in. And when she gave our grades back, she, she set out in front of the entire class. She was like, oh my God, Evan, that was amazing. You should, you should do more. And I was like, okay. And that kind of put me on the, on the path to, uh, to want to publish. And then I just kind of, I, I, ever since then I was writing a book and I, it took me five years to write my first book, but, but that's what kind of pushed me to to want to publish something so how many books do you have out now i now have six books out now six books out very cool and what was the first one so the first one was called uh to the wolves and it was based on that same character that i wrote uh for my high school uh project his name was ethan mccormick he was a uh police officer uh in 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 the first book he's framed for murder of course pretending he has to go on the run and prove himself innocent and all and all that stuff so um, it, it's a very, very far cry from uh, the horror that I'm doing now, but, but uh, 
So what made you decide to, you know, kind of go that way, kind of go from where you were to horror? Uh, that was actually kind of where I started. The, the little stories that I was writing when I was younger, um, the, the first story that I can remember was that I wrote was called, um, I think it was just called The House or something. It was about a haunted house and kids went in and whatever. But I was always, I was always into writing horror. Uh, like the first real book I ever read was Stephen King's The Stand. So I've always been a horror fan. And um, <clears throat> and then, I don't know, it kind of started to grow out of wanting to write horror because I didn't, I felt like I would do better just writing like action books or whatever, but it, it just kind of got back into it. I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I want to go back to the, to what I used to do when I was younger. I wrote horror stuff and it was fun. I had a lot of fun writing horror. So I went back to it, but yeah, I've always been a horror fan. So that's very cool. So um 2015 you published your first book so that's seven years ago now yep. um are you indie published self-published how are you published yeah self-published uh yeah all of my titles have been self-published um I I kind of I, I still every once in a while I kind of weigh it I sit down and I think do I want to go traditional do I want to stay self-published um and and I went self-published in the beginning just because um I was actually talking with like I guess technically a life coach is what he was and I told him that I, one of my dreams was to write a book and publish it, but you know how how tough it is to to go the traditional route and everything. And he was he asked me, "Have you ever heard of self publishing?" And I was like, "Yeah, I have, but I don't know." And and then I just kind of sat down at my desk and just started looking up self publishing. And I was like, "You know what? This isn't you know. I mean, there's a stigma about self published still, and and I was still kind of I, I still felt like I don't know maybe self publishing is not the right way to go, but I, I ended up going with it and I, I love it. It's fun. Um, it's a lot of work, but I have full control over everything. So it's kind of fun. No, that's true. I mean, I think the stigma comes from, do you have an editor? Do you have, you know, like, cause there are some um, really great self-published works and some amazing voices that are out there because of self-publishing. And then there are piles of crap. People that don't use yeah. punctuation or the right theirs or. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, let anybody else read their book before they put it out, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in, in my early days, I didn't use a, a publisher or a, um, uh, an editor at all. I just wrote it. I did all the work and I put it out and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. And it was the very first book I put out. I got a lot of reviews on Amazon and I was like, I need an editor, I guess, because that was pretty much the, <laughs> the, the same comments where this book needs an editor. It's good, but it needs an editor. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think I should get an editor. So I've, I've, I work with a few people that edit the book now and I have beta readers and stuff now, but. Oh my goodness. All these people that have to go <laughs> to the book. Yeah. You know, it's a lot it of work. <laughs> so the first one took you five years. Why did it take you so long? Uh, many reasons. I mean, I was writing it in, I started writing it in high school and and it, it was a completely different book in high school. And then shortly I got into college and I deleted the whole thing and said, I'm starting over. And then uh, somewhere in there, um, I actually lost it. it. It got deleted. I was like halfway through it and it got deleted. So I had to start over and uh, yeah, that was rough. But, um, but then, you know, it, as I kept like growing in, in my skills, I kept going back and going, I want to start over. So it took me so long to get the first one done because I kept hating what I was writing. So but it doesn't take me that long now, but. So how how short have you gotten a book to for you to be able to put it out there? Um, let's see, the shortest one was actually the, the my last book before this one that I published was called Echoes of the Past. And I think I wrote 
that one and got it all published. I think it was like about six months is, is the, the shortest that I've ever done. So very cool. And what was so let's journey through your books. What are they about? Sure. We already know what the the To the Wolves is. So let's journey through your other books. Sure. Um, so To the Wolves, that was my first book. Uh, and then the second book I wrote was called Death Can Wait. And that was more of like a, a survival thriller is what I call it. It was, um, it's a couple, they're, they're on a vacation with their friends on a yacht and they fall overboard and they wash up on an island. They're trying to survive and they, they learn they're not alone on the island. And there's these, it's inhabited by these bloodthirsty, like this group of people that don't like outsiders. So they're trying to hunt them down and they're, they're trying to escape the island and everything. Um, and then after that, I published a sequel to To the Wolves. So just kind of followed the, the detective and, and another story of his. And then after that, I wrote a novella called Getaway, which was like my first like step back into horror. It was, it's about a uh, family vacation to a uh, cabin in the woods. And shortly after they arrive, some uh, hooded figure starts terrorizing the family and uh, they get swept away in a, uh, a canoeing accident half of them get washed down river the rest are, are being um, harassed by some guy in the woods and there's murder and betrayal and deceit and everything and then after that I published uh, Echoes of the Past which is my psychological thriller it's uh, about a woman moves to a small town she's trying to get away from a, a abusive relationship uh, then someone starts killing people in town and naturally they all blame her because she's the new the new person in town and they're uh they're willing to do whatever it takes to stop her from leaving town because they want justice, even uh, resorting to harming her uh, nine-year-old daughter to, to get their justice. And then the last thing I published is Charred Remains, which is just a collection of short stories and flash fiction and stuff that I've written over the years. So, but that's, those are, those are my books. Very cool. Where do you get your inspiration from? Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, you know, all over the place, really. Um, sometimes just randomly just sitting there and doing something else and I'll just have a, a, a brief thought of something and I'm like yeah that'd be a cool story and uh some of the some of the, the stories in Charred Remains it was just like um like a, a small scene or maybe a flash of a a creature's face or something and I'm like you know that, that would be cool if I kind of elaborate on that and then I would just start writing and just kind of see where it goes but um mostly what I like to do is I've got a few other author friends that I like to bounce ideas off of I'll I'll, I'll text them and be like, hey, I just got this idea for a book or a story. What do you think? And then usually they're like, well, it kind of sounds like this book. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm canning that idea because it's already been done. But, but know, it hasn't been done your way. That's true. I've actually dealt with that recently. I had a couple of people reach out and try to bounce ideas off. And I'm like, of course, everything can, can sound similar and things like that. It just takes one thing and it, somebody's like, oh yeah, I saw that somewhere, but nobody has done it the way you have. That's true. So if you really like the idea, then definitely take it and just twist it to your own flair because everything's been done. Right. Everything has been done. Nobody wants to admit it, but like if you look at Hollywood, everything's been fucking done. Yeah. So <laughs> just give it your own spin. It could be something really great. Yeah, that's, that's true. So you have a tribe then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've got a whole a whole slew of uh, of other mostly independently published or self published authors too that I kind of you know, I have a whole a whole shelf on my bookshelf that's just all their books. There's all my all anyone that I've ever met in the the uh, the author business. I've got a signed copy of their book, and yeah, we we we're always connected. And any anytime I've got an idea or they have an idea, we just kind of chat. Um, that's a lot of fun. That's very cool. I mean, that's helpful. And apparently, they're shooting down some of your potentially really <laughs> a little bit, but... yeah. 
<laughs> it, it sounds helpful. Um, so you've always written, did you go to school for writing? Did you like, what is, what is your writing um, sort of dream? What do you want to do with your writing? Like what would be, if you were Evan Bond able to name what your writing goal is, what would that be like for you? So really, uh, for me, that would just be um, just full time, just author, you know, writing, writing my books full time and marketing and all that, just doing that. And that's, that's it. I didn't, I didn't go to school for writing. I'm not like a technical writer or anything, but um, I took creative writing and stuff in high school. But, but uh, yeah, I just want to, I just want to be able to work on my books and, and work on my characters and just, just write. That's all I want to do. Very cool. How much, um, so how many books you have going like right now? Um, well, I have one book that I finished a couple years ago that I ended up not liking the, the structure of it. So that's still sitting on my hard drive somewhere. Um, I've got a book that's supposed to be coming out later this year, but I'm still waiting on my artist that's kind of making my artwork or the, um, the book cover and mm -hmm. she's not done with that yet. So that's, that's waiting to come out. I have like two different ideas that are currently rolling around in my head now that I'm trying to keep myself from jumping into because I've got other things I want to work on. But um, so probably about four <laughs> sitting there oh, right wow. now. So the ideas that can't work with what you're currently working on. Huh? Say that again. Is the ideas that you say that are bouncing around, like, is it something that you can't incorporate into what you're doing now? Like, I don't, what is your writing style? Do you go chapter one to chapter 10? Yeah, okay, I, I do write in order. I, I actually have a friend who write, I asked him, he, um, he, he writes down scenes on like index cards as they come to him. And then he'll write individual scenes and chapters as he gets inspired. And I, I went to his house one day and I saw his office and just, his whole wall is just index cards. And I was like, so how do you do that? I can't, I have to write start to finish. I can't, I can't figure it out. And I, I know a few other authors that just go, I just write when a scene pops in my head for the book, I write it and then I write something else. I don't, I don't know how you can do that, but yeah, yeah mine's more chaotic than that. Yeah. <laughs> mine's a little worse than that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you have those ideas bouncing around in your head, it doesn't necessarily have to be a different book. It could be something your brain is trying to work out for that particular book. So maybe it's something that you can incorporate into it instead of creating an entire different idea. If you wanted to, not telling you what to do, no. but just if you wanted to. No, that's a good idea. Yeah, I never really thought about that because, yeah, there's just a couple things that all I've got is like the uh, the opening chapter to a book in my head. But I'm like, I don't have anything else. I don't want to start writing it and just have it just go nowhere. And But, yeah, I never thought about that. That's that's cool. Do you yeah. so when you do sit down, do you just write front to back? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I start with chapter one or, or if there's a prologue or whatever, I, I start there and I, I just write until I get to the end and that's then I go back and you know delete chapters that didn't work or add chapters that I need or whatever. But yeah, I, yeah, I write front to back. Yeah, no, I that's do a similar thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sierra doesn't even write in the same universe as some of her other books. She's like, <laughs> let me just do this whole page and put it over there. Um, <laughs> What do you do when you uh, find that a story is not working the way you want it to? Do you graveyard it or do you pull it out? What do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, um, I've actually got a bunch of like unfinished stories or some that are even completely finished, just sitting in a folder somewhere on my desktop, you know, that I just don't, I, I tend to not delete anything. I'll, even if I finish a whole book and I'm like, you know, I don't like that. I, I don't like to delete it because you just never know what you might pull from it later. You know, you might you might change the book up or maybe pull characters or scenes from it or whatever, but, but yeah, I'll just, I just kind of 
stick them there and I'll come back to them if I get inspired like that book I said that I finished that I just don't I don't know what to do with I actually was talking with another author buddy a few weeks ago and I was like I actually sent it to him and he started reading it he was like this is pretty good and I was like yeah but it's not what I want I want something better and and I don't know what to do so we kind of chatted about how I could make make it better and so one day I'll go back to it but yeah I, I just tend to shove them into a what is that one about so that one was about it's actually it was inspired by uh a buddy that i used to uh, hang out with he had a youtube channel where he he explored abandoned places Mm. and him and i went and and, um explored this uh, abandoned this whole like neighborhood that was abandoned and while we were walking through he's doing his video and stuff and i i said to him i was like wouldn't it be crazy if we we like left the abandoned like neighborhood but then as we like walked around the corner, we were back in it. We just couldn't leave. We we're just stuck here. And then him and I just started chatting about that and how like fun and crazy that would be. Okay. And I was like, I'm like, I'm going to make that into a book. And I wrote it and it was, it's, um, yeah, it's these, these YouTubers go to an abandoned, like a uh, whole town they find that's abandoned and they, they get stuck there. They can't leave. And the town is like haunted by some evil that's trying to possess them or whatever. It didn't, it didn't come out where I wanted it to go, but, but that was like the general idea of it. That sounds awesome. like a lot of fun. That sounds it, like a yeah. That sounds yeah. super fun. You should he, definitely he, go back to that one. He does. We don't we don't talk often, but he does text me every once in a while. He goes, so where's that book? And I'm like, I know. I'll go back to it. <laughs> no, I think that sounds like it's true. I watch a lot of the videos of there's a particular person I can't remember his name who finds these mansions and stuff, and it's even globally that he does this, where he'll go into these like billion dollar estates you know or multi-million dollar estates and people just I think a lot of people don't realize that you just most people don't like when they move from large houses like that they've gotten the furniture to fit that house right right and they, so then so you they just leave it like normal blue collar people and I'm just going to say this a lot of us were like oh we're moving we're packing all of our stuff and we're moving yeah. you don't do that part of the whole move is you leave the majority of the furnishings there and you get whole new furnishings in your new house yeah i would say we did that when we had to move from pennsylvania to florida we were like because our moving company brought the wrong size i was like i feel so bougie right now just leaving the furniture like <laughs> screw it we'll get new ones but yeah a lot of those abandoned houses i think that ups the creep factor because like they're not empty they look like somebody could come home at any minute if you ignore like the cobwebs and the decay or whatever but it looks like somebody can walk in any second and it's like no no no, i'm good he um he took us into this um it wasn't really a hospital but it was some sort of medical facility that was abandoned and like they they clearly moved everything like they were gonna take everything out there were like file cabinets everywhere and there were chairs and there was like um there was like this one room that had nothing in it and there was just a single like wheelchair sitting in this like white clear room it was really creepy and i was it was like the one time i was like can we leave i don't like this (laughs) but but um yeah it's really creepy because it's like there's still all this stuff here there's paperwork signed by people how is that still here like it's it's nuts no you know not to go what's interesting to me is it looks like i don't know if this is part of your your book but it looks like people just something happened they just left like that's one of my favorite parts. Aliens is my favorite movie of all time. Mm. But that's one of the parts I love that they did with that is like the donut on the table with a cup of coffee and stuff like where you could tell whatever happened, they, they were right in the middle and then they were just gone. Yeah. You know, which is what makes it even creepier when it looks like they, you know, stuff is it's not just the decorations are still on the walls, but there are papers on the table or there are plates 
with what used to be food on the dining room table and you go what the fuck happened that they just yeah. left right right like um what was chernobyl with all that stuff you see images from from that just they i mean they just left they took nothing with them and there's just stuff as kids toys still laying out in the living rooms it's yeah it's really creepy you know well if chernobyl is having a meltdown i think i would probably just leave yeah. it to- i'm gonna do yeah. that the next time i move i'm gonna leave like certain things and i'm gonna just like fucking book it <laughs> that way the next person that comes in they're gonna be like what the fuck happened like they left dinner on the table i'm gonna do yeah, that like gonna the, the, the spatula in the fry pan. halfway or like yeah. or dropped off to the side on the table like some shit went down and you were just like screw dinner and dropped, dropped it, it yeah. and just book it that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> i love that idea i actually think that's a brilliant plan. idea that could be an entire series right there of abandoned places <laughs> uh-huh. short stories why they left Oh my there you God. go. That's There's right. a title. Look at that. Boom. There you go. Ah, they're actually <laughs> writing anthology. that down. That is a great I'm just idea. knocking these I'm anthologies out. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. These are things. Okay. Okay. Why we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Evan Bond. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. Okay, as we're not talking about Marvel movies. So that's, that is pretty cool. Let's talk about, so you published um, uh, as an, basically as an indie. What has that been like marketing and learning the fact that you are a business now? Oh, that's, um, it's tough. Um, Cause you know, there's like the one part of you wants to be like, I'm not a business, I'm a person. And I want, you know, but then you, you have to, you have to market and learning the marketing is I'm still learning. I still don't know much about it. Um, I, I only just now feel like my like social media is really starting to grow and go somewhere. Yeah, it's it's tough because you'll 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 post stuff on like Instagram or something and, and you're talking to nobody. You'll get like one or two likes and you're just like, man, that that's terrible. And then you'll post some random thing and you'll get 200 likes. And you're like, what what do, what do I do? I don't know how to. So, yeah, learning learning the marketing is tough. I still I'm still not you know perfect at it, but it's it's, it's I'm always learning something new. So. I was talking to somebody about this literally moments before this podcast because they were they were talking about I don't understand how to do these things so you're not selling the biggest way you can for anyone listening to be creative on some of these sites is do fun things that then lead to your book instead of trying to sell your book 
like talk like you're the character from the book, but not acting talk like have a real conversation or, you know, with the camera, because look at the stuff that gets the most likes on these things. There's some of the most ridiculous things. It's not steadfast, great content, and nobody out there get offended and start sending me hate mail. But I mean, it. it's truly, it's not like the, the people that get the biggest followers are not like serious actor or like, we're going to be seriously talking about this fan base. They, you know, like even for instance, I saw a video where they were playing the um, uh, trailer for songs and snakes songs and snow or whatever the fuck the follow-up prequel to um, Hunger Games is. I have oh, yes. this book and I can't remember what the name of it is, but um, and it's a great story about where Snow came from and what starts twisting him into being the fucktard that he ends up being, right? He's fucking well, genius, though. Yeah. He is a genius. He cha- he made it so the world... It's fine. We'll talk about this. <laughs> you can talk about it. I really, really like my example, and then you can talk about this. But <laughs> the whole point was they were playing this trailer above them and talking about just how excited they were about this and that it was coming out. I will guarantee you fucking book sales increased when that happened. Right. Because it's not like they were whatever, but they were just fangirling over the fact that this movie was coming out, which I'm actually excited to see who they choose as the female lead for that because she was a pretty fucking badass character, right? Um, Snow was a man. No, but the female that he falls in love with in the game, it, it taught me, you know, the story... Did you did you listen or read this book, CR? No, I haven't. I've had a lot of shit going on. I haven't okay. really gotten into the whole thing yet, but I will say I did pre-order it. As one of those people, as soon as I found out it was coming out, like I definitely, I, I did pre-order it. I haven't been able to follow it though. But so, as, people get crazy. I, I did too, shit, so I got and I've already listened to it and all that and read it and then gave it away to other people. But the premise is, it starts off explaining where snow comes from. I'm not going to give too much away, but they decide to do the first Hunger Games for Academy students. And so they make them to, they had Hunger Games, but nobody was watching them. Like they had them going, but they decide this Academy group has to basically sponsor one of the people and try to drum up interest in doing it. And it's how a lot of things change for the Hunger Games, right? Because otherwise it's just in an arena. It's this brutal thing where people beat the crap out of each other and nobody was paying attention. Didn't do much for the districts other than they were sacrificing people to it all the time, right? And even um, for districts like one and two and stuff like that, it wasn't the same. Like there weren't um, people who were um, set up to win the games. It was just um better families it's it's anyway it's very that whole thing is complex but um snow ends up being assigned a female from district 12 as the person he and that's why assist. district 12 got up see then we get yeah. all like predictive <laughs> and stuff and that just that gets annoying but it makes sense but this female is a gypsy right even in district 12 you're not allowed to leave districts though yeah she's Anyway, I'm, I'm going to read the book. I'm going to read, read the book. Read the book. <laughs> I'm going to read the book. But she's a singer and there's all this stuff with her. And it's it's a very neat story, but she is kind of strong as fuck, right? And not like this wimpy kind of character, even though in the beginning she kind of seems that way. And it's interesting because it's really a play on 
how um, these, how the capital looked upon these other districts. I mean, you get that in the Hunger Games, but it's really different when it's done the way, anyway, the way it's done. So anyway, going down a whole path, but anyway, yes, I enjoy it. We so, do tangents, by the way, Evan, we do a lot of tangents. <laughs> tangents are great. So um, have you done audiobooks for your books yet? No, I haven't. I've actually been like trying to figure out how to do that. I, I've I, I kind of want to. I think it'd be cool. I, I had somebody be uh, somebody a uh, friend reach out who was trying to get into voiceover work, and he started to do it, but I haven't heard anything back. That was like a year ago now, so I think that's that's probably out. But I'd like to. I'd like to do audiobooks. So let me tell you a little trick, and again for everybody listening, um, the biggest standard to adhere to audiobooks is the ACX standard for audiobooks. I am not a fan of ACX. I think. They're antiquated and outdated, but Amazon is the big gorilla in the room, so they can do whatever the fuck they want to do. But they have a standard sheet on what the, the book has to look like. I think a lot of people that want to get into narration think that they have a good voice and they could, but forget that just like anything you become good at, you have to practice. You have to practice. You don't realize what your breathing sounds like until you hear yourself play back and you're like, why do I sound like I'm panting? You may not be panting, but you fucking sound like you're panting, yeah. right? And how to re-record it and how to have consistency and how to put stuff together and how long can you go? For anybody who's done any acting, you know, anything like that, I raise my hand, but I've done a lot of that kind of stuff and um, you're on and you don't realize how much energy it takes to just do that, even for a short period of time. This is an exhausting thing to do. And so when you're reading, a lot of people don't realize when you first start out, if you get an hour of actually reading and recording, first of all, you're not going to get an, a whole per finished hour, like a recorded material out of that hour. Maybe your first time doing it, you'd be lucky if you get a couple minutes actually out that is usable and sustainable. So you have to keep doing it. And I think a lot of people that get into it, because I have people that reach out to me as a publishing company all the time and go, oh, I want to do narration. And I'm like, oh, do you? And find that they're like, oh, this took, you know, this took me X amount of hours. And I know we agreed on a four finished hour, but I'm like, that's why I told you that to begin with, if you were sure you wanted to do it. Meanwhile, I'm having it recorded by somebody else because I'm like, this person's not going to get it <laughs> or with the usable products. So that's what, if anybody ever goes, I want to do numeration, look up those specs, fucking take Alice in Wonderland, take your favorite book and just practice trying to record it, practice doing the different voices for the different characters, that sort of thing, because these guys do such a good job. But if you get really good at it, you can actually make a shit ton of money doing it because if you can sit down and bang it out and not have a bunch of re-records and stuff like that, the per finished hour rate could be kind of sweet, you know? Anyway, food for thought. Have you have you thought about <laughs> recording your own books? Yeah, uh, I, I did think about it. Um, it's just it seems like it's it, it's going to take a while and it's it's definitely a lot of work so i haven't really sat down and done it i did for a while i was doing um my, on my youtube channel i was doing like i'd write short stories and then i would narrate them and i would post them to youtube and they were a lot of fun but they took a long you know they took a long time for just like a 10 minute short story so i was like man that i feel like with my skill set it's going to take me months to, to to record just one book or even just one a couple of chapters so i've i've thought about it but I'm, at the same time you know and i've i've 
I've like Google searched it and some people are like, I hate it when the author reads their own book. And other people are like, I love it when they read their own book. So I'm not sure what I should do. So, but I'm never going to make everybody happy. You just have to knock that off right off the top. Like nobody is a hundred percent happy with anything. Like you could do oxygen. Does everybody like to breathe oxygen? And they're like, well, I think we could do better. It's like, well, no, no, you really can't. Like you got one option. No, it's true. And I think it also depends on whether or not you're just monotone reading it or you're actually getting into the characters and you're talking from the character's point of view and you know nonfiction. I think it's almost vital that um the author is the one reading their stuff especially if it's a memoir or something like that I think that's important but at the same time if you're not good at it maybe you shouldn't do it right (laughs) some people just do not have certain skill sets in life and that happens to be one of those skill sets you either have or you do not have. Um, let's talk about fans. Do, have you gone to conventions and stuff with your books? Yeah, I have. Um, last year, I did um, Tampa Bay Comic Con. That's actually where I, I bumped into Drinking with Authors, but um, I think it was last year. Um, yes, that sounds right. We were, we were there last year. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah. I, was, I wanted to go this year, but we're going to be out of town, so we can't go this year. But, but yeah, I went to the Tampa Bay Comic Con, which was a, my first year there, and that was a big one. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but other than that, I've done a few other smaller conventions. Uh, a few years ago, I did one called um, Festival of Reading in St. Pete, and that was that was fun. But they haven't Very done cool. it since. So, but yeah, I've done I've done a few conventions, and it's fun. It's always fun, even even the the, the weekends that you don't really sell a lot or whatever. It's still just fun being there and chatting with people, and it's a lot of fun. Very cool. What what has it been like to meet fans? Have you met fans at these? Um, I haven't met anybody who's like read my books. Like, I, I, so that hasn't really happened yet. I've not met anyone who's like, oh my God, I've read your book. And I've, I've had some people like last year at Tampa Bay Comic-Con, I had, um, uh, someone buy my books. They went home and then they came back the next day and they came up to the table and they said, oh, I read your book. And it was so good. And I was like, I didn't expect that at all. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I haven't really met anyone who's like come up to me and said that they've, they've already read my stuff and they're excited to meet me or anything. That's not happened yet. What is the weirdest thing that you've encountered from um, doing uh, the conventions? What was something that you didn't expect, but you encountered? Um, I mean, not that I didn't expect it, but you you meet a lot of people who also um, write or are writers, they write books or whatever. Like pretty much every convention, you have someone come up and go, hey, I'm a writer too. And and then they, uh, you know, they pitch you their book ideas and then you just chat with them. I, um, I guess I didn't expect that the first time I did like a major convention, but you get a lot of people that come up and be like, oh, I write too. And they, they're trying to pick your brain and stuff, but which is great. It's fun to do. It's fun to, to chat with those people, but uh, nothing really like crazy. Um, but just, just that just didn't expect people to, to, to approach and be like, Hey, I'm a writer. What, what can I do? And, and they're like, like, like they're asking me for advice. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> just do whatever you can, I guess. Well, you're there with books out, so you're yeah. steps above I, most people. So it seemed like a, I, I remember. Um, I don't know if you know who Elise Kova is, but no. I, she's a she she started self-published, but now she's a she's kind of a big name author. But uh, I met her at Tampa Bay Comic Con like six years ago, and I mentioned that I had her books and everything, and we were chatting. And of course, and then I was one of those people who was like, hey, "I'm a writer too," and and we started chatting and. Um, and then I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm no big deal. I, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing like conventions or whatever. And she was like, oh, you know, one day you'll be here. And then last year there I was. So it was kind of like this 
weird moment where I was like, hey, just like five years ago, I said, I'll probably never be this. And now here I am doing it. So that's kind of cool. But well, that is cool. What about online reviews and stuff? Yeah, um, got quite a few reviews. Um, like I said, the the first book that I put out, not there was a few few negative reviews, but I I, I like to think that most negative reviews uh, are they come from a good place. They tell you like how to how to make your work better. Um, but one one review on the Echoes of the Past, my last book, stuck with me. Uh, this this guy, he's from I think he's from Ireland or something, and his review said. Um, that he gave it a one star because it didn't have enough guns and Americans love their guns. That was like all his review said. And I had to text that to one of my author friends. I was like, listen to this review I just got. So it was, he was like, don't sweat it. I'm like, no, it's actually kind of funny. I don't know why that he was very mad about the, the lack of guns in my book. Well, <laughs> you have the, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say you can't please people all the time. Nope. You'll either no. have too many guns or too few guns. Yeah. Um, have you had the, the times when people try to give you suggestions on your book where they try to correct you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And every time I get that, um, oh, man, I want to say it's a quote from Neil Gaiman, I think, where he, I think it's him who says, um, Anytime every, as someone tells you what doesn't work for them, they're right. But anytime they tell you how to fix it, they're wrong. And so I, I tend to just, if they, if it's something that's like personal to them, I, I tend to just ignore it. But, you know, sometimes, you know, some, someone will, will say something and you'll, you'll look back at your work and go, yeah, maybe they've got a point. Maybe I should think about that in the future. But, but yeah, I've, I've had quite a few that are like, the author should do this. And I'm like, okay, well, how many, how many books have you published? So, you know, you should be telling me if I should be doing this. <laughs> I appreciate that. How, how many books have you published? Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> people don't understand how hard it is to go from start to finish. First of all, the biggest step of writing a book, which nobody completely understands, it's not easy going from start to finish. Like, even if you don't write chapter one to chapter 20 or 50, whatever it is, it's really hard to finish a book. And right. that doesn't mean you're done. You still have at least one or two editing sessions before it even goes out. So like people, you know, especially once you release a book and people are waiting for it, they're like, oh, okay, cool. So when's the next one? And it's like, do you understand how much time I just spent on this? And you just devoured it like very greedily. You're not even like, appreciating the time <laughs> that went into it because people don't understand how hard those things are. Yeah. No, you just got to feed the need, feed the, the, Thing. That's why I think people get excited for authors that have multiple books out when they discover them because they're like, rah, 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 you know, yeah, <laughs> just eating, eating all of the, the writing up. Yeah. Um, so Evan, talk to us about your writing space. We see your, um, um, hold on. CR is trying to recover from the fact that I believe her husband only put, um, rum and no dr pepper in that <laughs> her face is on fire and it's turned red it's fine we're gonna move on okay and <laughs> when she can breathe again good okay, okay. <laughs> are you sure <laughs> it was just it went it's when you ever take a drink of a drink that you're not expecting it to be that strong and all of a sudden it's in your nose too so then it's in your mouth it's in your nose and your eyes are watering and you can't breathe it's like you forgot how to breathe and then like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I call that an awesome drink. That's yeah, thanks, baby. That. Absolutely, but like, it warms somebody. Like, just <laughs> let them know. Up a little bit. We gave them. 
a little, yeah, I just gave them a little extra something in there. Just like give them a little warning. It's like when you go to take a drink of water and it's like Sprite or something. And it just. How about the iced tea or Coke? That's my favorite one to see people's reaction when it, they think it's Coke and it's iced tea or they think it's iced oh. tea and it's Coke. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I do that all the time. My wife loves iced tea and she'll get it from like McDonald's or something and she'll put it in the fridge, but I won't know that's what it is. And I don't like tea and I'll grab it out. And I'm like, Ooh, a Coke. And then I'll take a huge sip of it. And I'm like, why would she not tell me? <laughs> why would you what just put it? this in there? <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. You have an, an epic nerd space behind you. Me yes. watching the YouTube will see this. Is this, um, is it, I'm assuming this is your office, your writing environment? Yes. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, my, my office kind of doubles as my, like, gaming space, too. I've got a, a gaming PC and everything, but, um, but, yeah, I have my own, my own office set up for it, uh, which is relatively new. Uh, we, we bought this house in December, and before that, my writing space was just a desk in my bedroom, so, and I would do all my writing when my wife would go to sleep, and I'd be, like, clacking away at the keys, and I'd be, like, keep looking over at her, like, am I waking you up? No, okay, and I keep going, so now I have my own writing space, I can listen to music and be as loud as I want, so, but yeah, I've got it, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd at heart, too, so I've just got tons of nerdy stuff, lightsabers, and artwork that I've, every time I go to these conventions to sell my books, I end up leaving with people's art, and so I probably spend more money than I make, but, but uh, yeah, just uh, my own little office space, I, um, it's fun, I like it. Do you, Are you Xbox or PlayStation? Uh, PC actually. You don't do so. Do you not do like Xbox on PC? I mean, I have like Xbox Game Pass, but yeah. but yeah, I just I just yeah play on PC. Yeah, I have an Xbox, an Xbox One, but I haven't touched it in like two years. So yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna make it through this beverage that you now have? I don't know what he did, but like I I think he might have done a splash of like rubbing alcohol, if I'm not wrong. Because it's Captain, like I can drink Captain straight and I'm fine. And I don't know what is going on, but like got a little rubbing alcohol. It's fine. I'll work it through. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what are you working on now, Evan? So uh, right now, uh, I'm 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 working on. Well, there's that book that I've got. Hopefully, coming out later this year. Um, I'm still kind of working on some edits for it, but it's so that book is called After Death, and it follows a man well actually not a man a, a spirit his name is jeffrey rains and he's a bounty hunter for death and he he goes around and he reaps like wandering spirits that hurt the living and, and other spirits to to help keep the balance and That's um cool. he's he's known as a hellhound is what they call him and he he goes around reaping spirits and then she she gives him a task to uh reap uh, one of the living who they uh uh, uh hellhound can't usually reap a living person because they have to be dead first so he's he's uh, found a way to extend his life longer than he should and he's becoming super powerful and she wants it to stop so it's kind of like a paranormal adventure with a, with some horror thrown in there but i'm working on that and then i'm in the uh, planning stages of book two for that one so very cool and so what you go ahead what do you think defines genres to me have gotten so blurred lately everything has shifted and things like what do you think defines horror nowadays and do you think there are different degrees of horror oh yeah absolutely um i i actually have this like internal struggle almost every day because i tell people i'm a horror author but i'm like well but are my books that scary and then i think but you know i don't really always think that horror has to be necessarily scary 
Um, it just, I mean, dark it, horror can really just be, be dark fiction. Um, you know, it's something that takes the, the darker side of either humanity or the darker themes or, or, you know, but it's so blurred now. It's so hard to tell what's, what's what. So I, I kind of like it because now I can, I can write and have fun and then, and, and just kind of like put little Darker stuff from everything in there. It can be a fun adventure story with some, some horror elements. Like in, in this book that I'm working on, it's, there's, there's definitely a few chapters where I'm like, this is just straight up a horror story right now. There's like a, a poltergeist type spirit terrorizing a family. It's just a straight horror. But then in the next chapter, you've got this Jeffrey Rains guy who's kind of like, he's got like a cavalier uh, attitude and he, he runs around reaping spirits and he kind of has fun with it feels more like an adventure story so it almost it almost feels different almost every chapter and it's it's fun but yeah i think it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint what horror is exactly these days because it's so different you know well yeah. also real life is pretty fucking terrifying right, right at this moment in time yeah it, like, it's crazy like the comments you get from people the reason i ask i actually had a um i i did a book it's called sins of the father i didn't think it was particularly scary I got a comment from um, a mother of a 12 year old that had purchased the book believing it was young adult because I do write young adult and she was angry because it was too gory and horror and she was not informed and I don't think that I write horror so I just that like to horror I think it's it's, it's literally gore. In, in there's the, a difference yeah well I think that first of all young adult can have horror in it and it's not bad most stories I mean hell even twilight more has Listen. i know but it does have <laughs> i a degree hate that of, series i know you do but it does have a degree of horror in it when it's talking about certain aspects in the is book is it the glitter is it the glitter because <laughs> it's everybody gets scared glitter. with the glitter but um i'll i'll tell you especially even now like she put out one called midnight sun and it's edward's side of the story right which by the way Edward is way fucking stockier and creepier Creepy. than the guy from you. Okay. Let me just look. <laughs> right? Yeah. I would much rather have Joe from you following me around than Edward because <laughs> it's, it's that bad, but there is a degree of horror. It's true in vampire diaries because the people like, if you read right? the books, the people that die, how they die, stuff like the description. Exactly. It comes down to, I think it comes down to perception, which I, again, like we said before, like nobody can ever hit. And I think, but lines have gotten so blurred with everything because you have, you know, like with horror, you have, I think everybody's adding disclaimers on everything now is what, what it is. It's like, okay, it's like a fucking movie you know, TV 14, rated R, there may be sexual nudity, maybe we mentioned cigarettes, somebody may get disemboweled, like, you have to add those things, and it's so weird, I think, as an author now, to try to put yourself into a genre, because like you said, you have a couple chapters where you're like, oh, hell yeah, this is horror, but then you're like, well, we're kind of an action adventure, so like, it, it gets really difficult. Right. Well, I also think the gore factor, is part of what it is and what it's <clears throat> describing and how detailed it describes it. It's kind of like the whole romance sex thing. Like, are you just- Because there is a difference between- You go all the way to the door, the door are you inside the door, are you in the bed? Yes. And it's like, how much do you describe it? And then what is it that's describing it? Because it's kind of like the whole thing, we talked about this before, um, killing animals in a book, right? That is you a can, uh, big no-no. 
Yeah, it is a big no-no. You'll get on different lists. Well, it's not a big no-no so much as be prepared because people lose their shit over the fact that you killed a dog. You can kill 20 children, but you (laughs) killed a dog. And it's- I got, yeah, I got cussed out for having an animal get injured. Oh my God. Yeah, that was pretty bad. But like, it's one of those things exactly like that. Like there's so many fine lines. Like you can fucking decapitate people, but- do not smack your dog. Right. Okay? Like that's our lie. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, it's, it's just so subjective, right? Like, I mean, one, one person's horror is not another person's horror. Somebody could watch like the Saw movies and, and think that that's just straight up horror, but someone else could say that's just, it's stupid, you know, gore and nobody cares about it, but it's so subjective. So it's so hard to tell. Like there, there's some people who will, will read the scariest book in the world and and they'll be like, yeah, that, that book was boring, but somebody else, it might be their favorite horror book that makes them not sleep at night. And it's so hard to, it's so hard to define what exactly horror is. And I think most people, I think they think of horror from like the old eighties, like slasher films, that was horror, but that's not really what horror is, you know? Yeah, it's so desensitized now. Like you gotta yeah. get deep. I, I, in the Saw argument as one that had, was alive when the first Freddy Krueger movie came out, the first nightmare on Elm Street was fucking terrifying. From that is still theory. terrifying. <laughs> it, it is, except for the Johnny Depp blood ceiling thing, not so much. But if you go to Nightmare on Elm Street three or four and stuff, that it's not it's not really scary. It's gory and stuff, but it's not scary. Like not sleep at night, which is always like the the true thing with when they talk about Halloween and the fact that that movie had zero blood in it. Did it really? Like it had zero one? blood. There was no blood in Halloween. Hmm. Is so that the original? The original, that as the original Halloween had no blood in it. Hmm. I have to watch it. I, I did, the I, new one. Huh. But that's my point. Good. Is I'm saying this, you guys are going to go back and watch it and get to the end and go, motherfucker, there's no blood in this. <laughs> but we assumed it was there. It was terrifying. The attacks were happening, but there wasn't blood. It was kind of like the original Scream was actually a really scary movie, but I think part of the reason the original scream was so scary was because there was that thriller that unknown and then when the reveal happens right it's scary when it can be something so realistic that could happen right you know i've never seen those scream i actually some of the originals i enjoy but then i i and i make reference to this movie too cabin fever i fucking hated it because all cabin fever was was gore like it was just gross gore and there wasn't a plot that went okay like the original saw movie the first saw movie was terrifying. that whole thing was scary as fuck and it wasn't scary because necessarily what was happening to them but the fact that anyone could have been placed in that situation and had that happen yes. and what choices you made it's kind of like the black mirror like that first episode of black mirror have you ever watched it I haven't seen the first. I've seen a couple episodes. I've never seen the first one. So the first episode, spoiler alert, um, there's a British prime minister and I want to say the royalty's daughter is kidnapped. And basically he's told he, in order to get this person back and they send back a finger or something like that, but to get her back in one piece, he has to go on television and fuck a pig. What? You know what? We have lines, guys. If you kidnap somebody, like, make it make it reasonable right but but that was the whole point (laughs) was in the way they did this and it was so shocking a lot of people were like what the fuck 
was he was put in a, a position and it literally shows the side from talking to his wife about this and this is his duty and here's this daughter that's being like they're sending pieces of her back right and when you get to near the end of the episode which sorry spoiler alert what happens is they end up dropping her off not with missing a finger before he actually airs this and he has to do it for like six hours oh my and God. she she is um dropped off on a bridge in perfect health and totally fine in the middle of before actually he starts doing this she so she's already safe and it doesn't get back to him okay i gotta say that's pretty fucking wow. genius you know yeah. what that is pretty amazing terrible but it's Nobody like and then of course it this. shows the aftermath of what happens to him with his career and all this other stuff right and it's it's interesting because it's i like it when to me it can be very terrifying to put yourself in a real life situation and i think that's where stephen king did does so well along with other like i can think of many other people that are great horror authors jonathan mayberry uh jeff strand like you know these people luckily i've gotten to interview and i'm friends with some of them but um and i'm a horror writer myself is put yourself in a real life fucking situation and what would you do and you think you would do certain things but would you like would you saw off your own ankle to get out of a situation would oh, yeah. you could you yeah i've in every Saw movie, I've always thought that. I'm like, what would I do? And I'm like, I'd die. I would die right there. There's no way I could saw my own foot off. I mean, maybe I could when I'm there, but... It, it depends it, on what you're willing to give up. Yeah. I think it absolutely depends on the situation because there, absolutely, there is a lot of things I would do to change some stuff. But... And I think that's what makes good horror versus good gore. Yes. Is like even Pet Cemetery, you know, which is... I, I don't think a single fucking one of the movies has done that book justice. When you look at the really scary parts with the Indian burial ground and things in the trees and anyway, but yeah, like, what would you do if your kid fucking got hit by a truck and you knew there was a way to bring them back to life? Fucking do it. Exactly. Even though they're telling you this person you're bringing back is not the same person, right? It's not going to be your gauge, right? But I think... 90% of people, and I'm going to say 90, because I think there is a chunk of people that would have the realization, but maybe it's 95, would do exactly what they did and then get stuck in the situation where they have this thing that is in their house, terrorizing, attacking, killing, right. you know, so people. I think, especially in that situation with horror is like, if you throw yourself in that, like I just said, I would absolutely do it. If you like, so if somebody comes to you, right. And they're like, you have two seconds to choose your knee jerk reaction. And that's exactly what happened. It was their knee-jerk reaction. Like, if you could fix this, what would you do? And they were like, absolutely. They didn't care about the consequences. Right. Because the fact that when you are in that situation, you're not thinking rationally. And that's where I think they play really great is because when you are in those situations, there is no rationality even able to get within a hundred mile radius of you. So it hits you. And if you think about being in that, you could totally see it. Now, looking back, of course not. You don't want to have to go through it twice or anything like that, but to hear something like that, absolutely, 100%. Right. Where they draw the line is where they get those hits like Saw. Like Saw terrified the shit out of me. But then they, you, what is it, 12 now or something, something like, like that? Something like that, yeah. Like, yeah. you go too far, okay? Like, haha, we get it. It's a game. It's great. But then, like, you just get ridiculous. Like, when they had the girl 
that was like taking over for him. And he's like, oh, His this daughter. is your test. And you failed because you took it too far. Nobody could win. And it's like, well, no shit. You were a fucking psychopath. <laughs> and you raised a psychopath. Like yeah. you're a sociopath. Like it's just, what are you doing? Well, what, what they're doing so is hard. called, they're still making money off of them. So we're going to yeah. still make them. Oh, yeah. How? Guys, because I think people stop watching shit okay, movies. I just, I have one word for you to explain <laughs> all of this. You ready? Sharknado. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I never watched it. I literally heard the title and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, like, are you kidding me? But see, the whole point of that is honestly- Go 50 feet of- away. It can't do shit. It's out of water. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> it's. But that's the whole thing is people, I think with Sharknado specifically, because there's been a ton of copycats since Sharknado, right? Yeah. Is this, pr- I wanted to be there when somebody pitched it. That's really where I want to be. <laughs> if I could pick somewhere to fucking be is how somebody pitched it. And they went, yeah, this is a good idea. But what's interesting <laughs> about that entire franchise, right, is I think it got the people going, what? No, there's no fucking way. And going and watching it yes. because there's no fucking way. But now people go out of their way to be guest stars. I don't, I, I actually just watched the opening of Sharknado 4, I think it is. And it's, it's on a plane ride. Right. Right. Plane ride and like fucking Will Wheaton and all of these <laughs> stars are on this fucking plane. This Big Bang is over, so like he needs something. Actually, that is he crazy. Has a lot of fucking followers, but I think people wanted to be on this when they they did it. But it had two people that were not great actors, right? Are the leads to this thing, and they put it out there, and it just keeps gaining momentum, and they keep spending more and more money on it, and so. I think that the concept moves forward. And if you're going to keep making money on it, and I hate to say this as we need to wrap up this podcast, but some authors do this with series is they don't know when to stop. They don't know when to stop the series or they do. And either they're contractually obligated or more so probably just fans are demanding and want the next one and want the next one and want the next one. And if you're going to keep making a shit ton of money, I'll keep fucking sawing people's legs off, you know? That's yeah, cool. Why stop? Fuck some pigs. Like, what's <laughs> happening here? I'm going to end it with that. Fuck some pigs. How about that? That's where we're going to end this podcast. Just kidding. Okay. Evan, shameless self-promotion time. I, I broke Chelsea. I'm gonna, <laughs> that's where I'm ending this. Okay. Shameless self-promotion time, Evan. Uh, so uh, you can follow me. Uh, my handle is at, at Evan Bond Author everywhere. Um, my website is also EvanBondAuthor.com. But then uh, I've just got I've got my newest book, Charter Remains. I got to bring it. Charter Remains uh, just came out uh, on my birthday of last month. So uh, that's that's the newest thing that I got out. So if anyone wants to go pick that up, that would help me out a lot. Um, and yeah, just follow me. Join my uh, my uh, newsletter. And yeah. Evan, it has been great having you. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you for having us. This one. Absolutely. Okay, I've been your host, Eric Lance, and now my officially broken co-host, the VR Rice. I know how to end these things now to have ruin the day. Um, our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits. If you check out their website and put a coupon code DWA10, you'll get 10% off all of the amazing tips. And we will see you guys next time.